Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Were Born for This Podcast with Father John Ricardo, Mary Guilfoyle. We're a couple of missionaries at Acts 29, and this is the podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the Word of God and how it wants to bring transformation to our lives. Mary, I was going to ask, how was the national championship game? I wouldn't know. (laughs) Yeah, so uh, you and Steve, your husband and I, we were on our way to the game. Literally on the plane. We were on the plane. Last plane out of Detroit to get down to Houston Monday for the game. Some friends of ours were already down there. Albert and his wife were already down there. Rick and Sue on our team, they were down there. My nephew and his son, they were down there. A bishop friend of ours, he was down there. And then what happened? So it was incredible. So we get to the gate, the last plane out of Detroit to Houston. And the flight crew was just amazing. A lot of balloons, a lot of amazing um, maize and blue and a lot of Michigan trivia. Couldn't wait to get on the plane. Get on the plane. We strap ourselves in and I hear the the flight attendant, she comes over the announce uh the the um the PA and says, We know y'all want to get to the game and we're gonna get you there, but we're gonna ask you to get off the plane right now because <laughs> we're having some maintenance issues. And I well, I I thought, this is so great. They're having so much fun with us. And then I saw people standing up and they're reaching for their their suitcases and the overhead, and I'm thinking, holy smokes, We're really this off the isn't plane. a joke. So we get off the plane, and they tell us to kind of hang out there by the gate, and they're going to try to get us on another plane. In the meantime, this massive storm is hitting the south and the southeast, sweeping up the coastline, and it was not meant to be. We spent, I don't know how many hours at the airport, Father John. And then watched the game back at, our, at your house. With yeah. Steve and I. And, you, and and then we're getting all these pictures from Rick and Sue and Albert and Becky and all of your family. And nevertheless, the, the, the great story is they won. At least for some of us around here, it was great for us. It was great yeah. for us. Yeah. And um, great story, great season. Um just an just an incredible game all the way around. Nonetheless, we just that's not the, there. that's not what the podcast is about. Yeah, we're so, not uh, changing the theme so of our podcast. So, what is the title of the podcast? Yeah, so today's title is "Open Heart Surgery." And do I need it? So let's pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, Father, we just uh, continue to thank you for the grace that always comes at this time of year when we turn the page in the calendar, and uh, in doing so, have an opportunity to turn the page in our lives to start over, to begin again, to examine those places where you most want to renew our lives. We ask today, especially as we reflect upon your word, that you would uh, be gentle but clear as well and examine our hearts and show where they do not look like yours or the heart of your son. But don't just show us that. Help us by your grace, the power of your spirit, to have our hearts conformed to the sacred heart of Jesus. We ask all this through Christ, our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Father John. So today's reading that we're going to break open for our friends comes from Jonah, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and then verse 10. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, saying, Set out for the great city of Nineveh, and announce to it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah made ready and went to Nineveh according to the Lord's bidding. Now Nineveh was an enormously large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began his journey through the city and had gone but a single day's walk, announcing, Forty days more, and Nineveh shall be destroyed. 
When the people of Nineveh believed God, they proclaimed a fast, and all of them, great and small, put on sackcloth. When God saw by their actions they had turned from their evil way, he repented of the evil that he had threatened to do to them. He did not carry it out. So I think, I know you feel the same way. We were talking about it before we hit record. Uh, this is a really timely word for a number of us who are listening as we break open the the core content of the book of Jonah, which is a short book in the Old Testament. So we'll, we'll get to the core content and maybe some practical applications and why the title of the podcast is what it is. But maybe let me give a little background on Jonah if I can quickly. So Jonah's a real figure. He's a historical prophet. So he's living in the 8th century or so B.C. And he's, he's not just a, a Jewish man, he's a nationalist. So this is somebody who has fierce hatred of his enemies. That's what a nationalist is. So really strong um, uh, love for his own country. He's not a patriot, he's a nationalist. And God sends him to deliver a word to the enemies of, of the Israelites. Not an easy word either. Yeah, not an easy word. But even just, yeah, and, and so many levels. So he's he's sent by God to go to Nineveh. If you pull out your map and you try to find Nineveh, it would be in the north, be um, uh, ancient Assyria. And Jonah hears that and he says, okay, and he goes to Tarshish. Now, if you pull out your map and you try to find Tarshish today, you're not going to find it. Um, it's probably Spain. That's the wrong direction. So God calls, Jonah says, heck no, because he hates the Ninevites. He doesn't want to deliver a, a word of repentance to them. He wants to see them smashed. Gets on a boat. The boat goes through a storm, probably what God spared us from on the plane to Houston. Um, I hope they wouldn't have thrown me off the plane. <laughs> um, he gets swallowed by a whale when they throw him off the boat. He gets spit out of the whale's mouth. And then God calls him again, and that's where we pick up the story here. And Jonah goes to Nineveh. He preaches this word. The Ninevites repent. Jonah gets angry, gets mad at God, and then God chastises Jonah. That's something of a quick synopsis of the story of Jonah. And the ironic thing to me has always been this. Jonah, Jonah's like the most reluctant of prophets, and he's the most successful at the same time. So the, the prophets are sent by God usually to speak to the Jewish people. And oftentimes they're just met with resentment and whatnot. And Jonah goes to the pagans and he's immensely successful. The whole people repent. I've always just been really struck by that. So that, that, that's something of, the, uh, of, of an overview. Now I know one of the questions people often ask about the story of Jonah is, the whale. Yeah, what about this whale? <laughs> but what about the whale? <laughs> yeah, so is this true? And th the simple answer is, we don't know. Um, interestingly enough, there's there's apparently some stories. I don't know if these are true or not, but there's some stories. There's a New York Times story back from the late 1800s, I believe, supposedly about a man who was swallowed by a whale, a sperm whale. The whale was harpooned. They found the man inside, and he was actually still alive. So can this happen? I don't know. Like, I think that's actually beside the point because one of the things, the language in the book of Jonah is that Jonah's not alive inside the whale. He's actually dead. The, the language that he uses is that the Lord rescued him from Sheol. This is the prayer that he 
uh, speaks in um, thanksgiving to God after he's vomited out of the whale. So it could be that we're supposed to understand that Jonah was dead in the whale and is resurrected. That's why Jesus uses Jonah as the sign that he talks about. Mm -hmm. Like, this generation will not receive a sign except the sign of Jonah, for just as Jonah was three days in the belly of the whale, so will the Son of Man be three days uh, in the earth. But that's that's something of the story of Jonah. So maybe we can just ask, like, what's the point you know, Father John, I'm so thanks for all of that background, and that's and that's so helpful. Um, you just mentioned you said here he was the most reluctant of all prophets, and yet the most fruitful of prophets, and yet there's this resentment that he has after they've repented, which makes me wonder, like, given the fruitfulness of his message and how it was received. God blessed that even though his heart was not right ordered because it's very clear his heart was not, didn't have God's heart. So mm-hmm. the basic point is like Jonah wanted the people to die. He wanted them to get it and God didn't. Yeah, to say that again because that, that's, that, that's the point and that's really huge. Yeah, so, so, so Jonah didn't have a heart like God. Jonah wanted the Ninevites to perish, to your point, you know, he wanted them smashed. Yeah, I mean, so we can say this very, very daintily, and Jonah wouldn't. Like, Jonah wants them to be destroyed. And God is not like that. Yeah, now, I know that doesn't have any application for any of us, because there is nobody that we have that kind of feeling or um, emotions toward today. Yeah, right. So... (laughs) This is a profound examination of our own hearts. That's how I mm. pray with the story of Jonah, right? Because if I'm honest, I mean, just without getting lost in details, there are a lot of stories going on right now. Pick a country just in the church. Right, right, right. And if I'm not careful, I can easily kind of like blur the line between being um, critiquing and condemning and harsh and having a critical spirit. Yeah. More than harsh, like downright condemning. Mm -hmm. Right. So I can see things that people do or that they say, or that they write. And by all means, we always want to be able to, um, we want to be, as Rick would say on our team, we want to be able to be brutally honest about stuff without being brutal. Oftentimes I get brutal, at least interiorly. Um, sometimes around the table with with us as a team, I might it might be more than that. But oftentimes, at least in my thoughts, as I come across stories, I get brutal, and it doesn't take much for me to see there's parts of like Jonah's alive in me, like Jonah's mm-hmm. alive in me. Without God's grace, I would want people destroyed. You know, Father John, my- that sounds terrible. No, but I I think we're just really having an honest conversation here. I mean, given some of the things that we're seeing um, in the news, or even just in in our own region, wherever wherever we might be, my first reaction, sadly, is to um, I do have a critical spirit, and I can make quick judgments, rash judgments, not not making a judgment on this situation. But I can easily go from this situation, from the act, this is what I want to say, like from the act yeah. 
to the person. Yeah. And if I'm not careful, I put a period at the end of that judgment without stepping into a place of praying into that situation for, and the person I need to be praying for first is probably like my own conversion. Right. But I stop oftentimes short of moving into that situation or that headline with a prayerful mindset. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. You know, I, I think people, even non-Christians, the only passage they seem to know in the Bible is do not judge. Mm-hmm. Well, that's clearly not a be-all and end-all because Jesus tells us to make judgments. Right. He says, you know, I could judge a tree by its fruit, right? So we're supposed to make judgments. What I can't judge is somebody's interior. Yeah, I have no access to anybody's interior. And again, if I'm brutally honest, I judge people's hearts all the time. And so when I come across the story of Jonah, like the Lord's calling me to look at my own heart, hence the title of the podcast, Open Heart Surgery. You came across this quote years ago and shared it with me from a, a, a woman missionary, which I just love. Yeah, uh, it, this uh, this woman, her name is uh, Jackie Pullinger. She's a missionary and just has done some decades of remarkable missionary work. And she said something like, um, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. But the trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. That's just a lot to sit with yeah, and as going back to Jonah. I mean, his heart was not predisposed. Yeah. He had a hard heart. I have a hard heart and God wants to change that. Yeah. I think that's what the takeaway, at least for me is as I hear this proclaimed next Sunday, God's inviting me. Can I just touch your heart? Yeah. Can I change your heart, are you open to a change of heart? Would you like a share in my heart? Yeah, so I'm sure this probably doesn't have any impact on anybody else who's listening because nobody struggles with questions like this. Or maybe we all do, right? So let's let's try to break open what we might be able to do in the days ahead okay. leading into Sunday as we hear this word and have this conversation. So here's what jumps out at me immediately. Like, I think the Lord just wants me to be um, really transparent going in front of him and and almost asking him to show me those people or groups of people in my life towards whom I have a hard heart. I, I, if I, It won't take very long for me to sit down in the presence of the Lord, whether it's in the Blessed Sacrament or it's in a, another favorite place to pray. And I ask the Lord, Lord, who have I written off? Like Jonah wrote off the Ninevites. Who do I want to see get it the way Jonah wants to see the Ninevites get it? And I think God will, he'll be talking so fast, I'll have to get a new pen because I'll be out of ink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, Father John, something else that I think is really helpful for me and just sitting honestly with the Lord in prayer is for the Lord to mercifully and gently uh, re-remind me of what he has forgiven me, mm. the extent of his mercy. And and we should never look back into those seasons of our life other than through, through the lens of mercy. Mm-hmm. But once I have a, a grasp of what it is I have been forgiven, 
I need to extend that same um, caliber, texture, flavor of mercy to those people that I'm so quick to write off. Yeah, so a, a means to have a heart, uh, to, to acquire a softer heart is to be reminded of his I mean, forgiveness, so. right? I think it's, I think the Lord said to Catherine of Siena something along the lines of, don't ever look at your sin without looking at my cross or it will crush you. That's right. So I love what you just said, like, don't go back into the past without the Absent lens of that mercy. Lens, that's, right. a, that's a great way to think about it. But if I rightly understand what God has forgiven me, then it should temper my judgments, right? I think, too, one of the things to, to keep in mind, we've said this in many times or many times in many places, it comes in the rescue project as well that we talk about, but let's make sure we have the enemy rightly identified. So there's only one enemy. Like Jonah mistakenly thinks the Ninevites are the enemy. They're not the enemy. That's right. God, God is not just God of one particular nationality. Like God made the world, like we're all created in his image and likeness. He's given the Jewish people a particular role to be, you know, a light to the nations, to be the means by which the rescue of the world would happen. That's how, why, one of the many reasons why it's significant that Jesus is Jewish. Um, he fulfills the role that God gave to the Jewish people. But I can wrongly identify the enemy. The enemy is Satan and his minions. And as we say all the time when we talk about this, this is not to say that people don't do wicked things. They do. People do very wicked things, but they're not the enemy. They're just rebels to win. And you and I just came across a spectacularly anointed talk, preaching that uh, Monsignor James Shea gave down at the Sikh conference uh, down in St. Louis a couple weeks ago now, easily found, but it is one of the most anointed, powerful, concise presentations of the enemy, the bad news as we talk about it, uh, that I've ever heard. I know it moved you greatly too. Uh, but that, that might be just something to, you know, have I rightly identified the enemy? There, there, it's not another political party. Uh, it's not another race. It's not the poor people. It's not the rich. It's not the immigrants. It's you know, for those of you who live in Ohio, it's not the Michigan Wolverines. You know, like the enemy is is the enemy. Period. That's right. 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 What What else practically can we do to, to to let the Word of God just transform our hearts this week? You know, um, it was a set of years ago. Now, um, I started to um, before I went up to receive the Eucharist. I would go with like a very special intention. Like I'm asking something of the Lord. And as I'm, we're just having this conversation. If, if I'm really honest, you know, all of my sin that I take to the sacrament of reconciliation can be summed up uh, by simply saying, I failed to love well. Mm. And I'm just thinking about it, as I go up to receive Holy Communion, what, what should I really be asking for? And I think it's to have a share of God's heart. Mm. So maybe that's something as we go up to receive Jesus um, in Holy Communion, to be very intentional about what we're asking for. And, and maybe even pray, the word, the word as I'm, you and I are talking, Father John, is rejoice. Mm. Do, pray for the grace to rejoice when we see people moving out of the kingdom, the dominion, the government that is Satan and hell and sin, just as I pray people are rejoicing for me mm. as I have moved out and continue. I'm trying to, you know, I'm being converted right every day, every minute um, to pray for a heart to rejoice and to have his more of his heart. Yeah. You, you know, even as you were saying that, I'm, I'm mindful of 
all the people that would have known me at different stages of my life who would have thought of me the way Jonah would have thought of the Ninevites. He will never change. What a whatever. I wonder what happened to them. I yeah. wonder what happened to him or whatever happened but to her. By God's grace, you know, uh, I'm still We're very still much a standing. work in progress, but but the Lord's gotten hold of me, you know, and um, yeah, but I'm sure people were, were writing me off just like uh, Jonah had written off the Ninevites and people wanted, you know, destruction on me just like Jonah wanted destruction of the Ninevites. I love too, just the, especially in this, you know, time of Eucharistic revival, as we approach the Eucharist, be really mindful of, of everything that you just said, and maybe even especially be very cognizant of like the Lord's blood. This is the power of the sacraments. Something's really happening to me. Like this isn't about me conjuring up some feelings or whatnot. Objectively speaking, something is happening to me. God is giving me the blood of his son, and, it's, and it wants to penetrate my heart so that my heart can become more like his. It can run through my veins, quite literally. And so that I will begin to have a transfusion and that my heart will grow to look more like his. So, I mean, the Eucharist really is, in many ways, uh, open heart surgery. Yeah, I love that, Father John. I too, you know, like, I, I've been reflecting, maybe because uh, we were hearing from the first letter of St. John over the Christmas season so much. I, I think about this oftentimes. So my name's John, obviously, and I... I I claim every John as a patron, but I have a special fondness for uh, the Apostle John and his brother James. And I take a lot of comfort from the fact that this guy, who's often identified now with you know his last words, you know, in, in his letter about you know like little children love one another. People tend to think of John as being um, the beloved and the one who's resting his head against Jesus. His nickname, together with James, right, is Son of Thunder. Like, how do you get that nickname? John wants to destroy the Sumerians, or the Samaritans, rather. Um, so he wants to, uh, because they're rejecting God's word, he wants to bring down thunder and destruction and fire upon these people. And yet God gets a hold of him, and he changes his heart. Mm -hmm. And he becomes a man who at the end of his life just says, little children, let us love one another. So um, God God can do this. God can take a heart like mine and he can make it into the heart like John ended with his heart, huh? Yeah. Amen, amen, Father John. I, I just want to share one more, one more thing. A friend of ours, um, Father Mark Moriarty, over in Ireland, yeah. sent me this beautiful image and it was an image of a tree that, that's flourished. Um, it's flourishing. It's green. It's rich. And, um, and then below the ground is the root system. Mm -hmm. And within the roots, in this image that he sent, is the name of Jesus spelled out in the roots. And I replied to him, and I said, this is... This is the root system that we need. We need to be so deeply rooted mm. in Jesus. And even as we're just having this conversation, I mean, one of the things that the Lord's convicting me of is to pray for, like, what roots in my life, where, like, I want the roots of my heart to be so transformed um, so I don't have that critical spirit, so I don't have that judgmental spirit. And so... There was just something about like what's what in me so needs to change. Mm. So the root system 
has Jesus all over it. Yeah. Otherwise, um, these deep-seated roots, if they don't get healed by the blood and water flowing yeah. from Jesus' side, my heart never gets transformed. Yeah, let me build on that, because as yeah. you're talking, that yeah. I think the, the one of the ways to think about that is what's nourishing our lives? So roots go down into something. Into the soil. And so if they're, if they're nourished, quote-unquote, daily by news feeds um, and all sorts of things other than prayer and the Word of God, not that we're supposed to be oblivious to what's going on, but if we're not daily sinking our roots down deep into Scripture and into prayer, then my heart's not going to look like God's. I'm going to think like the world, and the Lord's not going to be pleased with me, and my life's going to be a mess. Mm -hmm. But if my roots are going down into Scripture and down into prayer, and I'm asking the Lord to be with me and to transform me and then to use me how he wants to use me so as to help transform the world around me— then it's a completely different story. So I, I love that image of the of the root system. That's a great final word, Father John. Maybe, maybe I'll leave you with this. This is a favorite quote of mine. Supposedly it was attributed to Augustine. I've, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's, so I'll claim it. Um, but it goes something like this. Uh, Lord, if I am too merciful with other people, it's because that's how you've taught me by how you've treated me. Wouldn't it be amazing if when we died, the Lord looked at us and said, you know what? You were just too kind, too gracious, too generous with forgiving people, as opposed to what I fear he might say sometimes to me otherwise. So let's ask the Lord this week with great confidence to renew our own hearts. Let's pray for one another that uh, we, we might look more like Jesus so that we might be not only the people he's made us to be ourselves, but so we would be agents of transformation and reconciliation and renewal and healing in this world, which is so fractured and at each other's throats and is desperately in need of prophets and desperately in need to know the love of God, that God loves to forgive, that he always gives us chances to start over again. There's always an opportunity to begin again. And because all of this is true, do not be afraid. God is with you and you were born for this. Mm -hmm.